0: You're listening to No Dice No Problem, a new monthly Asians Represent Variety Show hosted by Drew Kwan and me, Daniel Kwan on the One Shot Podcast Network. Check out uncut video and other exclusive content at patreoncom Represent. I'm not a I'm not a dice collector, like I love that like Kendra like like from our home game, made me like a cool theme set for like the main yeah. villain, the main antagonists of our campaign. Yeah, um, and I am guilty not of buying lots of dice, but accumulating lots of dice. Yeah, like, and I, I just constantly have dice either like sent to me, which I'm super grateful for. But and I've I've been trying to like give them away, or because I've been playing RPGs for like over two decades, I've just. Mm-hmm amassed dice you just end up having more dice yeah and i have like uh one of those plastic containers you know um that you used to stole, like, store like drill bits and screws yeah. and nails and stuff i have like a massive one just full of dice <laughs> <laughs> yeah full yeah. of dice and do i use them no i use like i've actually been using this if i'm ever rolling physical dice i have been using the same set that steve gave me steve mm. gave me a set of dice like uh three years ago mm-hmm. and I've just been using them and they're, they're like, I, I just, I like the color. Um, I also have my original like polyhedral die set. Oh yeah. When I first started. Yeah. Like mine when are I first somewhere. started to still I have, I have it, one. I know I have, they're mine. like, I just don't know where they're gold. I think I'm missing one of the 3d sixes that it came with. I remember where I first got it, um, at the silver snail. It's like this comic shop in Toronto. Mm. Um, it was like, one of the most iconic comic shops in Toronto, they've had three locations now, um, and they get progressively shittier. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, nice. But the original one was this... Uh, Queen Street is like a shopping street in Toronto, in like downtown. And it, the original one had this beautiful sort of like muraled facade with this old school like light bulb trimmed Silver Snail Comics light That's like fun. sign... And then you went in, and they had these giant statues of superheroes. Um, there was like a whole downstairs area that was just rows and rows of comics and games and wall, like floor to ceiling action figures. Um, and then they had this like upstairs area that you had to go up to, and it was like the games area. So they had, I bought my first like Space Marine there, like a mm-hmm. loose Space Marine from a box. Um, they had, uh, it's where they had all their like anime their manga, they had uh, a whole section on just tabletop games and a little thing on dice. And I remember buying a gold set when I was like really young and saving up for it and my brother getting this like turquoise set. And I have both of them now because my brother doesn't play games. Um, But do I use them? No, I'm afraid of losing another D6 (laughs) because I've lost one of my three. And I just used that set that Steve gave me in this box I bought on Etsy. Uh, but now i think i might have to switch to to these new ones. Uh
1: they're really nice. I w-
0: They're really nice. Yeah, they they, they got also news. made a set for for Emma as well. Oh yeah. But do i collect dice? No. Nah. No, i'm i'm not going to go to the store. Um actually it's funny enough we went to a store called Black Knight Games in Hamilton hmm. and Emma and Kendra who we've mentioned on the podcast, but for context Kendra is not Asian, is our white friend who's in our D&D. <laughs> um and Kendra and Emma both bought like teeny tiny polyhedral dice sets, uh-huh. just to use. And it's like, oh, that's like cool. like like the really small ones. Like the really small ones. And I think Kendra God, I them. wants to use them as to make a mold for mm, her own dice. Okay. And I think Emma just liked them. Um, but I I I don't I don't remember the last time I actually bought dice. Yeah,
1: same. I I just don't I don't care. Like I just like <laughs> I. I understand buying, like, a really nice set of dice. Like, you know, if you're shelling out. I like looking at them. I like looking at them. Yeah, but if, like, if you're shelling out, like, 50 bucks for a really nice set of, like, metallic dice, like a really, like, a collector's item almost. Yeah. I totally get that part. But just going up and buying those like $6.99 $7 yeah. <laughs> uh every we every TTRPG player knows these dice uh, sets. Yeah, it comes in, the Chessex dice. Yeah, the yeah, Chessex the Chessex dice. dice. Yeah. If you're just buying more of those, stop. What are you doing? You have enough. Like you don't need more, you know. Agreed. I know people are going to be like, "Oh,
0: but I just like to collect them. Don't tell me what not to collect." We're not saying that. No, it's I'm not. No, I am. Us. I'm telling you to just stop collecting.
1: Not for, oh, okay, Drew is. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you to not have fun your way. Have fun my way. <laughs> <laughs> i just it, i it drives me up the fucking wall do you think
0: why why does it drive you up the fucking wall
1: um i just look around the shop and i see so many things that you could use that money to buy that is more useful oh, for the purposes of D. <laughs> or or Drew any is other not property. only
0: telling you to have fun his way but also to spend money his way
1: i'm just saying like you know Go buy battle tech or something. buy yeah buy a seven dollar chess x d- dice set or buy a $7 mini that you can use in your home games, right? Like, it just... It, it, that, okay. You know, you don't need more dice, but you might need uh, some more ghouls minis. in your games. No, because you can get more use out of the minis, right? Oh, so it's a value thing. Yeah. Is it a value thing? You, I guess you're not going
0: to use the dice every single time.
1: Yeah, but like, yeah, it's like, when I... So uh, for those who don't know, I am on a quest to own uh, all of the uh, D&D uh, big like adult dragon minis um, that they have out right now. And I have nine out of ten. The only one I'm missing is the brass one. Uh, and so my friends clapped back at me and they were like, well, you know, you're buying all these minis like, <laughs> you know, you're buying like well, these don't, dragon Well, Don't minis. hate us on dra- buying dice. And I was you like, what are you going to appreciate more? The fact that I bought another set of shitty seven dollar dice, or that I plopped down a dragon mini—that's the exact thing that you're fighting. Like, what? What? There's a difference in value being brought to the table. Like, this is the Most
0: Asian conversation ever.
1: It, listen, <laughs> it's. A- <laughs> I just don't. I don't understand. You know, like, like I said, and like, it's fair. I again, I see the value of getting like a collector's edition of dice, or like, um. Oh, what is their name? The handmade dice. There's the Yannian. Yanier, yeah. Like I would love to. Oh my to god. Have... I, I'd drop money on that. On that. Yeah. Again. Their dice is incredible. I, 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 yeah. I understand the value of that. But like my my issue is not against all dice or like Is it the color. quality? It's about it quality. Against... Or it's about rarity. You know? That's fair. I have enough cheap dice. And this is not some weird, like, you know. Classist, like bourgeoisie, like <laughs> shitting like on you know shitting Daniel on people who Drew, don't have the money, uh, like and the dice elites. Listen, there's nothing wrong with Chessex dice. It's just that if you already own ten sets of Chessex dice, do you need an eleventh? I would say no. Okay, Chessex dice yeah, are, are great dice. It's a it's a cool brand. I think I don't know. About, I don't know what they just <laughs> just making dice, but like. Uh,
0: I think they make other things. what does is, what is, uh what does Chessex make? They uh primarily dice. Yeah. Oh, but they also make uh CCGs. Oh, cool. Um they or formally they made a CCG called Bane Master the Adventure.
1: Oh, okay. Can
0: see why that one's not around anymore. Um Sky Realms of Jorun.
1: Yeah, like Woof. Again, they're good quality dice. They look nice, but do you need more of them? It's not a... I I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. I would love some of the really expensive, like, bone dice or gemstone dice.
0: Like mammoth. Yeah. Like like mammoth fossil dice.
1: It feels like it's probably unethical. So maybe it feels unscientific to take away what few mammoth bones we probably have. (laughs) But like, you know...
0: Uh, you know, um, speaking of dice, actually, I was just reminded that? of this. I actually excavated a uh, die once. Oh. Yeah. I, um, uh, it was like 2012 in Jordan yeah. and I found a bone D6. Oh,
1: that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Like a. Like it was. A, but now, are was you like sure? Rome... Did you call the director over and was like, it's a D6, a D6. And then come over. No, it, was, a, it was straight up a D6. Some, it was straight up a D6. It wasn't D6. some it was like, like, rebar that was. No. Oh, God. Why are you gonna... <laughs> I should bring this story up every time.
0: Yeah, no, it was um, it, it was a straight up bone D6. It had all the numbers on it, and it like the little dots on it and everything. That's cool. And it's actually in like a local museum. Oh, that's in, cool. In Madaba, Jordan. Do I get credit for it? No, but I found it. <laughs> 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 My claim to fame is I found this tiny little D6. I mean, that's really cool though. Now. Yeah, it was neat. I was actually uh, reading about the history of dice. Uh, And it's not like, honestly, it sounds like we planned for this episode. We did not plan. No, no, This is an unplanned episode. We didn't like talk on Discord in advance and be like, you know what? For our no dice, no problem recording. We're just going to hate on dice collectors. (laughs) Or we're just going to hate on people who buy cheap dice. No, that's not. That's not it. Um, We went into this completely without a plan, which is something we wanted to try doing. Um, But anyways, back to the um, also to clarify. We're not hating on you if you buy cheap dice. It's just no, not no, for, no. Not for Drew.
1: No. Not for Drew. I mean, I'm hating a little um, bit. But, again, it's not, about, it's not about, uh, it's not, you know, uh, either way. It's not, like, it, it, just to reiterate, it's not some bougie thing where it's like, ah, you poor people. That's not what I mean. I just, you know, <laughs> I have tons of chess dice too, that I accumulated over the years. It's not about buying them. It's about, do you need more of them? Not, you know,
0: like if this is a uh, daniel and drew become your asian dads i
1: think purposes. it is a it is a very a uh, typical tradition for most players in dms that their first dice are often chessex dice and that is a okay mm-hmm. but once you start hitting double digits amounts of sets, I don't think you need to continue
0: i i'm all for more people buying dice from indie manufacturer yes i i I'm agree all that becomes
1: that. a bit different yeah
0: yeah i'm all for that like i i bought i spent i think the most i've ever spent on a die was uh i bought a handmade d20 from a friend of the podcast uh lemmy of lucky hand dice mm-hmm. i think they're on like a an extended hiatus um i bought like a, a handmade d20 and it was like 25 usd mm-hmm. that's the most i've ever spent on a single die and I know that's not that much. Like, I'm th- we were talking about Yanir's dice, and I'm like, I, I can't even fathom how yeah, much those are. Yeah,
1: I'm just, I, I just, I, I do the mental calculations of, like, okay, you just bought 10 sets of dice. That's, like, 70 to 80 bucks. Or, you could bu- you could buy the mini of the Demon Lord Dweeblex. The ooze one. Or,
0: like, a new, you know, s- save up for a handmade set or buy some cool RPGs. I'm just saying.
1: There's, been... there's better things out there. You can start getting into, like, Star Wars X-Wing, you know, for that month. You can get into Star Wars I've been, X-Wing. I've been or... thinking about it. I've really been thinking about getting into some of the Star Wars uh, tabletop games. You need to have, like, a community to, to Yeah, I don't have anyone around me. Yeah, that that's really that's the, the barrier. I mean, I the FLGSs who... have people that play them, but those are strangers and nerds that I don't associate with them. <laughs> I, I just, have I'm, <laughs> Drew's that, Drew, I'm a world <laughs> hater today. <laughs> Uh, of my own
0: kind (laughs) and and we've like put off recording this episode because you were like i'm worn down let's 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 record when we're (laughs) on a good mood and we started you're
1: just like fuck chess yeah i have the emotional energy to hate again
0: yeah so is this episode now called daniel and drew go to war with chess drew and (laughs) daniel hate the end. Drew and Daniel hate x Let's just know. <laughs> we can't Spon- do that. Sponsor us. Can you imagine x reaches out, and is just like, we'd like to sponsor the Asians Represent podcast. Absolutely. But we heard that you you can't have double digit
1: a double digit number of sets. So we're each we're going to send you nine. Listen. Um have you guys heard uh, it's an incredible value. Uh, 6.99 usually in a lot of stores. Uh Chessex gives you a full range of dice. Uh any particular pattern or color you could possibly think of. Uh, there's always tons and tons of choices uh at the tables. Uh honestly a great value. I would highly recommend uh, getting them while you can because they're running out. They're not running out, but <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'll flip, gonna... I'll flip the switch real fast. Money changes you're, my you're mind fl- quite, quite easily. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're uh
0: um ooh. Speaking of which, yeah, <laughs> today Yanir just did a restock of dice. Today. And today on, on on their website. And uh I'll uh these are pretty. These are pretty. Hold up. Let me I'll uh share my screen for our uh patrons who are watching uh the video. Uh Yanir like hand makes dice. Um, they have like a set called Afterburner. Good dog. Look- it's so much money. I did not, I, I knew they'd be a lot, but I did not know they would be this much. But they look so but good. But they are so beautiful. I like the shape of, is that a
1: D? D8? I think it's a D8. No, no, that's a... Hey, listen, this is, this is a moment oh. for our listeners, those who aren't on our Patreon, to get in there so you can see exactly yeah. what we're seeing. Listen, so apparently, these
0: are UV reactive, blood orange, and black. okay. They have UV reactive blood orange, and black plumes inside the dice, and there are only two available of the afterburner. I guess because these are all handmade. Um, good God, there are so many cool dice. I would again, we're hating we're hating on.
1: Mass, yeah, mass, no, I I, I, I like I said I don't hate dice. I just You don't hate dice. I, you know.
0: Oh my god. We really uh, we really switched it up in the matter yeah, of like well, it's not no it's not minutes. switch
1: It's it's still consistent. I'm just hating on like overloading yourself with cheap dice. Yeah,
0: okay, that's fair. You know. You want your dice to be special.
1: To oh. be fair, I am also that kind of person uh who I will pick out like like one or two D twenties out of like the 20 that I have. And those are the ones I use for the night. And if I roll like mm. last night, do you last like pre roll them to test oh, them. Absolutely. Out? Fucking not. It doesn't make any sense. It what? No. Uh, like, do I People read, do, do I read their horoscope too? Like what? Like, why Why would I do this? Um, I, I, I play, I play the ball where it lies, you know? <laughs> and last night I picked out one die because I like the look of it, uh, and I rolled seven natural ones with it that night, last night, uh, which was really rough. That's that's rough, but I, I'm loyal, I just, so I didn't change. I'm just gonna use Kendra. Kendra said
0: that uh, she doesn't have a uh, a, a means of uh, subjecting the resin to like a vacuum, mm. so I don't know if these are perfectly balanced or not. But I'm gonna use the fuck out of them, yeah, because uh, my friend made them, uh, and I'm all for that. Um, another thing that, uh, I just keep looking at these Yanir dice, uh, man,
1: the fact that you can get them for, uh, monthly payments, it's really tempting right? to me.
0: <laughs> I gotta, I gotta pay off my, uh, what, my, 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 my dice debt for my, for my, for my polyhedral dice. I was actually doing some, uh, research on dice, um, for my like personal sub stack. I've decided that I'm going to write first of all, I'm still going to write whatever the fuck I want. Sure. Um, but once a month, I'm going to try to write one TTRPG adjacent thing. Okay. Uh, and that's like the kind of commitment I, I've, I've taken on uh, to nobody just myself. <laughs> sure. um, and uh, this month, uh, well, last month, obviously I wrote about the fucking D um, and D summit. And this month I'm writing about uh, the first game master. Um, and doing some history into that. Okay. Um, and it's like documented in a lot of books that are very expensive or hard to find. Um but I was talking to a friend of mine, Joe de Simone, who works for asmodee and Joe was telling me, like basically teaching me about the history of D D. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned this game called or it's it's weird the way the word is used, but it's called the Bronstein. Sometimes it's used as like a It was never really like a fully published game. Okay. Sometimes it's referred to as a genre of games. Um, The the bronze. Bronstein. Bronstein. B-R-A-U-N-S-T-E-I-N. Bronstein. Meaning brownstone in German. And I was basically... uh, He was telling me about like how in the late sort of 60s and early 70s, around when obviously like D&D emerged... Um, there was this really, really diehard community in the States of war gamers, yeah. obviously like Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson were were in these communities. And if you look at like the roots of D&D, they, it, it, there are like seven very influential games to that. Uh, first one was published in 1880 okay. uh, and it's called Stratego's. Um, and Strategos was actually by um, Charles A. L. Totten, uh, who was in the U.S. United States Army, uh-huh. uh, and it was used to basically like train like commanders. Uh, there's another game that was published in 1966 called Modern War in Miniature, and it's by a guy named Michael F. Corn. Uh, there's another game from '67 called The Siege of Bodenburg, which is very much a war game. Sure. Um, there's Chainmail uh, from 71, uh, a board game called Outdoor Survival in 72, and a game that was actually republished called Dungeon! Um, those are like six sort of tabletop experiences. And then there was the seventh, and it was called The Bronstein. And the date of publication is typically, you know, 1969, but it was never truly published. Okay. And it was invented by a guy named David Wesley, who many people refer to as like the first game master or the person who invented the practice of like tabletop role playing.
1: Yeah. Of having this person who is outside of the game or, or is a part of it, but outside of the traditional roles. But even, even at that time there were still referees. There were
0: people in war games who were like the umpire. Yeah. Right. There are different styles of war games. There's the uh, Kriegsspiel, which has like, which are really, really rule heavy and have like a referee or an umpire. And then there's this tradition of free Kriegspiel um, that have very little rules. And essentially, um, Wesley created this genre or game called the Bronstein. Um, and it's very interesting. Um, and this is adjacent to Dice. And I, mm-hmm. I will circle back to this, But <laughs> we'll I've there. been doing research on it for about like three weeks. yeah, Because I was just trying to figure out how it was played. And, like, I was going on, like, forums, finding old interviews of David Wesley, um, looking at old forum posts that David Wesley made about the Bronstein. And essentially, it's kind of like a LARP mixed with a war game. Mm. So you could have, like, over 10 players, and everybody gets a pre-generated character. And they're typically, like, non-military characters. So you only control one person. And the game is set originally was set in like this like medieval like town yeah. called Bronstein, but it could be set anywhere. And Wesley himself has run versions of it at like Gary Con set in, a, in the 1950s in a South American country he created called Banania. Just okay, about Banana sure. unions. Um, but essentially, everybody gets a pre generated character with like established like objectives and motivations that are required to basically win the scenario. But what's really cool is that multiple people can win, especially if their objectives don't overlap with one another or require require like an alliance. And essentially, the entire scenario is tracked on a battle map with like terrain and minis to to where people are. Uh And around is basically you interacting with another person, like socializing. Mm -hmm. So people would go and like, will leave the room to form an alliance or somebody will form an alliance with somebody but knowing that they're going to betray them, because God, of their that sort of would objective. this is this sounds idea sounds so fun, sounds right? so fun. Yeah, yeah. And then what you do is, after a predetermined amount of time, this is what I've learned: is you write down your orders for your character, and then you hand it in to the referee, the game master. Yeah. And the game master is the person who has the power to basically read, interpret, and execute your orders. They do that. The scenario sort of evolves, and then you go back to this sort of social politicking until somebody can win yeah and it just sounds so interesting and at a time when everybody was you know measuring out like units and all that stuff wesley was basically running these bronsteins that dave arneson got really into Mm -hmm. and then you know obviously we know the history of dave arneson from there sure yeah um, but I've gotten really into the Bronstein, and I
1: really want to play one. I I would be so down. I remember uh, at one point, uh, our friend Bashir was running yeah. an Infinity game that was basically like a Bronstein, right? Where it's you're playing as heads of different factions, and yes. it was all like I think a text based one uh, in a Discord server and you would input your orders to Bashir, and then Bashir every week would calculate all of those orders, and then, you know, the phases would move forward, and things would change across the maps and things like that. You know? Yeah, and th- but this one has,
0: like, the thing with the Bronstein is that there are, like, next to no rules.
1: Oh, it's and just pure interpretation of the things it's that you're pure doing. pure interpretation,
0: yeah. So it's not like Wesley is rolling dice or anything like that. There are, like, from what I've researched, there are no dice involved. Okay, And it has, like, next-to-no rules, and it's all about interaction. Sure. That's why it's so close to the LARP. But because there's a referee who's taking orders and executing them on, like, a table, that's where its wargaming roots come into play. Yeah. Um, And you could find a game called The Barons of Bronstein on DriveThruRPG. Okay. Um, And it's a TTRPG that was inspired by the Bronstein, but it's very much a TTRPG. Sure. Um, But Wesley himself actually wrote a little essay in it called Bronstein in the Middle Ages, and it's actually a setting that you can use. That's cool. If you wanted to try to play a Bronstein. But there are, like, photos from Gary Cons up until, like, 2022 of him playing it. Mm. And people have noted that, like, there are no instruction sheets. There are no reference sheets. All they get is a piece of paper with the scenario and, like, a a list of objectives. Sure, who you are and what your objectives are. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so freeform, and, like, I am extremely invested in eventually playing
1: one. I I would be very down for this. This would be really um, cool to do. Because I think it would just
0: I think it would be really fun and really chaotic. Like this one that I found um it was from the 2022 Gary Con. It was set in Banania in the 1950s and the scenario was essentially to, I'm reading it off of the Secrets of Blackmore website, that documentary, mm-hmm. um, because they were actually one of the participants. And they, <laughs> the scenario was, it's a national holiday celebrating Banania's liberation from the European colonial oppressors. There will be some sort of procession and carnival, um, but all is not perfect in the land. The great leader is on a diplomatic trip to the United States. And thus, control of the nation is in the hands of his capable and equally corrupt underlings who run the various military branches. Um, The great leader's son is on hand and I think is the referee. Okay. Um, But everybody takes the form of like government officials or like labor officials. And I guess the person who was participating played, um, I think the head of the banana pickers union. (laughs) Okay. And they had their own like objectives. Yeah, the BPU. The BPU. Uh, But it just sounds so interesting. Like there are people, sometimes Bronstein's have involved like props where you can like bribe people of things. Okay. Sometimes it's like full on theater of mind. It's it's just such an interesting idea that like I've never done before. Like I've played, I've tried one LARP. Yeah. But the idea of writing down orders... And then having a referee interpret them is really interesting to me.
1: And it's such a, you know, despite you know I've never known about it until today, but it seems like such an important evolutionary step in in what we do all the time now. You know. Oh yeah, hundred uh, percent. I was actually thinking while you were talking, I was like, ah, oh, if we had the budget and the like, the ability to like the resources, we required, could easily do this at a con. We could I was going to say, con. do yeah, yes, of course, but it would be cool to do a, a video series where we play through the evolution of the war game to TTRPG. Yeah. Like that's what I'm writing about. So this is like my piece on the bronze scene is
0: part one. Yeah. Part two, I'm actually going to try playing modern war in miniature. Yeah. Um, I was actually going to ask you about it because uh, a PDF of the book is available, like the original rule book uh-huh. and dude, it just sounds like a TTRPG. Um. In the book, they're actually describing, like, a scenario. Um, And I'm going to literally, this is on, like, page 10. Um, And it's like, player, I'm picking up my submachine gun and my grenades and running over to the ditch beside the bridge. I want to keep looking for the American in the houses while I'm running. Judge, there he is again. (laughs) He's just stuck his head around the corner of the white building around 30 meters in front of you. Here, he's looking around again. Player, am I in the ditch now? Judge, yes, you're about... Uh, you've been here for about two seconds now. And then it's just like, they just go through like this scenario and it's just like, that's a TTRPG. That's, yeah, that
1: just sounds like uh, uh, and a D&D. This book is
0: from 69, five years before D&D. Yeah. And there are just so many interesting games in the evolution of tabletop role-playing games. Um, there is a another game that I've been meaning to play, but I don't think we could ever do it like just you and I, because sure. I think we'd have to live in the exact same. We'd have to do it in person. Yeah. But in um, Dragon Magazine, uh, in uh, 1987, they and first of all, Dragon Magazine they used to publish like a lot of stuff, and it wasn't just D and D. And there was a game that called Clayorama. Okay. And it was literally about making your own sort of like creature out of like play-doh oh, that's and fun. fighting hell and yeah fighting um but it, it, it's it's really funny um i don't know if i'd ever really like play it on asians represent it's something i'm fascinated about but Clayorama was actually um originally created by david cook who is like the primary author of oriental adventures ah oh, what a guy um so i don't think we could even do that Yeah. Nah. um but it's something that I as like an independent creator am like very curious about. Uh, same thing with just like the old magazines like uh, Alarms and Excursions that were basically used to publish old RPGs. Mm-hmm. Um, like the first, you know how we talked about the uh, the Dread Gazebo? Oh yeah, yeah. The Dread Gazebo was first published in Alarms and Excursions, which is an, Amateur press association like sort of okay. publication. Yeah. Um, and this particular one, Alarms and Excursions, had like a ton of really influential game designers actually part- like work on it. Like Robin Laws, who lives in Toronto, uh had, like Feng Shui mm-hmm. and a lot of stuff with Palgrain Press, like obviously like um Gygax, uh Robin laws Eric Wujik, who did a lot of like Palladium stuff, not good palladium stuff, but like Known names yeah. in the industry. Um, really interesting stuff. Uh, so I've been curious about like looking at these old publications and kind of seeing, like, kind of experiencing them for myself as somebody who was not alive when a lot of these things came out.
1: Yeah. Um, like I said, if we kind could... And sharing my own experiences. If we have the resources and we live near each other, I just think it'd be we such a totally cool idea to, like... Play through the history of yeah war games and TTRPGs and like like sequentially do episodes where we move to the different games in the in the chronology and we map out the sort of evolutionary paths and we talk about okay this one was developed two years later how does it feel different where does it seem to be taking stuff from you know I think that'd be such there a is, cool uh, video idea. There is a really good book on that. Uh, it's called Playing at the World. Okay.
0: Uh, by John Peterson. You will never be able to find a physical copy of it for okay, cheap. Okay, yeah. Uh on on Amazon, it's $681 for a paper. I'm good.
1: I'm good. Yeah. I have $7 um, Chess X dice to buy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um But to, on the dice note, because I, I did say I would circle back to this, it's really funny because you see Wesley kind of he's like this like folk hero on many forums. Okay. And on one forum like an like an old school wargaming rpg forum he actually said that he said while i am beating my own drum i would like to lay claim to having invented polyhedral dice (laughs) he he was like i straight up like claim like i didn't invent the shapes but i am like the inventor of using them for games and it's such an interesting claim because it's so baseless because there is like there are multiple patents for games using polyhedral dice that came out long before he was really active in the space. Like there's this, this woman named Freda Sieve who had a patent from February 20, 1963, and it's literally dice a dice game for tetrahedron die, and it's called Zazz, okay. and it's literally like the patent number is- Sounds like a, a Ouija
1: board demon, but yeah.
0: Yeah, the the pat the patent number is like 3208754 and it's literally a game that uses all of these die dice uh-huh. and like there are images of um sets from 1960 with it. Um also there was a a company uh in um before Freda, um there was a, a guy named uh Yasushi Ishida who had a Japanese patent. Um I believe from, not sure which year, but I know it was before, I think it was 1960, um, but it was for a D20 set -hmm. um, that was distributed by the Japanese Standards Association in Tokyo. Um, So there are all these people who are patenting and making their own games, but uh, Wesley, very much like other creators at the time who obviously don't have the internet, are basically saying, "Well, if my community sees me as the inventor of this, I must be the only one." Sure, um, sure. And there are all these really interesting claims to making dice, but so, Wesley is like one of the big people who is claiming
1: that. So Wesley's not claiming to have invented them, but rather to invent their usage in yeah games in general. Yeah. Okay.
0: He well, his word is um, his exact thing was. I was the first person to use what were then being sold as models of the five regular polyhedra um, as dice. He says in all caps.
1: Okay, it's very right. weird.
0: That's, it's very weird. Claims so it's um, a
1: strangely worded claim. You know, he strikes
0: me as a very interesting fellow because he also is like I don't like the term role playing game um, because it's too much like theater. I and he prefers adventure game. Despite you know what I've just told you was the Bronstein.
1: Yeah, the Bronstein's just a bunch of acting. Like I don't Mm -hmm. what. Hello.
0: Yeah, and I he strikes me as somebody bitter because he now says we are now stuck with RPG. What? Yeah, that's something that he said. Like you wrote, although it could be his his advanced age. But you know,
1: I you know I, I, my initial thoughts about Wesley were uh, David Wesley seems quite cool. And that may still be kind of true, but it's kind of annoying too. Like what? (laughs) Like RPGs? Yeah, yeah.
0: He um, again, like a interesting, an interesting fellow. I think he's he's still alive. Um, He's in got to be in his like Uh eighties. But yeah, like the Bronstein was like really fascinating to me, and it was like a part of sort of my dive into like the OSR and like the roots of RPGs. Sure. Um, and, like, my fascination with that. Because I also just got a new game. Um, I uh, The reason why I was in Hamilton yeah. uh, yesterday was uh, I was dropping off some copies of Ross Rifles mm-hmm. for Nora. They're being sold on Monkey's Paw Games yeah. now. Uh, and Nora had, like, a gift for me. And it was a, a copy of, like, their new game, Unconquered. Oh, it's cool looking. It's, it's cool. It's beautiful. Um, like, I was going to order one myself, but, like, dude. Look look at that. That's a great isn't art that, style. Sick? That's like the art style is awesome. It I I'm gonna do like a full sort of like review of it. But it's it's really neat. I really love like table, like I love how tables are used in all so,
1: games. So what's the core concept of, of the game?
0: Yeah, so um Unconquered is basically supposed to be a lightweight D twenty plus D six system. Okay uh that really involves like GM rulings very much like the the Bronstein sort of okay. free Kriegspiel style. Although I know Wesley is very much against like I don't do free Kriegspiel. It's my own thing. Sure. That seems to be his personality. Sure, buddy. Um but it's essentially I'm I'm just looking at the Monkey's Paw website because I'm gonna get around because I just got this. Um but what even on the back of the book, one player takes on the role of the chronicler and presents a world full of peril and wonder. The others take on the role of travelers who describe how their characters act and react within that world. Hmm. We play to find out where drama and dice may lead us, and it's it it's this really cool sort of ancient sort of world. And it's I see us as both like a system and toolkit. Sure, and it's almost it's like weird fic. It's very much weird fiction in its aesthetic, and I really like it. Um, there's like. A, a piece of art here is like a turtle with a a castle on it. Yeah. And it's just like mapping the middle kingdoms. The gods have uh, ruled from uh, the gods may have ruled from tower may have shaped the outer heavens in their avaricious image, but it was from those middle kingdoms that they conscripted soldiers to the universal war, took resources and warred over land and sea and skies far from the topless golden spires that they claimed as their own and it's it's just enough information for you to have an idea of what the world may be but it is not too much information where you can just add whatever you want to mm-hmm. it and what's really neat is that there are tables for like hey this is a d20 table for discoveries or a d20 table for hazards or encounters and it's just rules light and beautiful and i also just love the a5 size of rpgs like i i I like this this is easier to put on a bookshelf
1: can you can you imagine a turtle that size making the <laughs> sound yeah
0: and i think another thing is that's cool about it is that um from what it seems you can uh you create your own spells you create your own spells yeah um the idea of like using prefixes and suffixes to create like combinations of uh-huh. power i can't believe you went that. sorry <laughs> it's, just, it's just really <laughs> yeah i anyways nora gave me a copy of this book i think it's awesome i want to read through it because i yeah, am doing cool. stuff for like wandering blades and i really like this size i honestly really like it's
1: this it's a size. good sized book yeah
0: yeah i also beautiful. i also
1: love uh the cover. That is just that is a yeah. uh almost daring explosion of color. It's unusual and I like it a lot.
0: It's it's gorgeous. I I'm really into it and like it's it's so good. I just wanna I don't know if this was on the podcast, but I was talking about how I really want more system agnostic settings. Sure. Because I just like reading like fantasy worlds. Yeah, like world building. Yeah, I just like to read world building. I was talking about the uh, – uh, oh, no. I was talking about this on the Hero Forge stream that I was on last week. Yeah. Um, and I was talking about how I really want more of this stuff. And I, I mentioned the uh, Atlas of Middle Earth, uh-huh. uh, which is a really cool book. And it's it's like it, – it's just like, hey, these are these mountains, and this is how it was built, and it's like the geography and how it interacts with the story. Sure. Really interesting and stuff. And by Middle Earth, are like we Tolkien talking about Yeah, okay, we're, okay. Yeah, we're talking about Tol- Tolkien's uh, Middle Earth. Um, really cool stuff. Um, but yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: Talked about the Bronstein. Got into DICE. Mentioned Unconquered. Really excited about Turtle sex noises. Um, <laughs> yeah, tur- turtle noises. My God. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh did you want to uh did you want to get into some patron questions sure yeah, yeah let's do it i know we were gonna, like i think one of the things we're gonna do and i think we might want to turn to our patrons to help us with this is eventually add segments into this okay. show yeah, yeah. um but for now we just have our mail time segment and we actually have um i mean one question is i think two of these questions could have been entire episodes um But Aizen asks two. One, Aizen asks, have you seen John Wick 4 yet? If yes, how did you like it? Um, And then as an extension, and this I don't think it's an extension, but more of like a separate but related question, I guess. What system would you choose if you wanted to run modern slash slightly futuristic combat-focused storytelling? Um, So I know you haven't seen John Wick 4 yet because you still haven't seen John Wick 3 since the last episode. I have seen John Wick 4, and I fucking loved it. I thought it was incredible.
1: Um, the version of it that's in my head is impeccable. The only thing I think the, I've the, seen the, of it... The,
0: in reality, it's also impeccable. I think the Didn't only I thing I've seen...
1: Yeah, you sent me the clip of the Dragon's Breath Rounds.
0: Yeah. It's awesome.
1: Yeah.
0: And they did say they were inspired by uh, Hong Kong Bloodbath, the top-down um, Hotline Miami style. Oh, yeah, game. yeah. yeah. Uh, because that that's the vibe. I, I thought John Wick 4 was incredible. I, I went with, like, my my partner my brother and my parents and um i actually buy it like my family did not like it really um they were like it's too violent
1: oh well, well you know
0: and they loved the other john wicks they were like it's too violent i want more story and i was like this is some really interesting world building like they expanded the world even more yeah um yeah there were like the action sequences were like really intense over the top i absolutely loved it um Nothing wrong with it in my mind. It's also the longest John Wick movie. It's like almost three hours.
1: That's, yeah, that's a lot. But it, there's, it's, it's,
0: all the action is incredible. Like Donnie Yen was super good in that movie. Also, Scott Adkins, yeah. who we've talked about. Um, I really like. Yeah, it. what a great, I know you what a great seen film. It. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> yeah, incredible film. Uh, I by, could, you
1: know. no, uh, you know what? It's time for me to publicly say I have seen it. Uh, I watched oh, it yeah? the other day. And, yeah. uh, you know, I have it burned in my memory. I could tell you every scene back to back.
0: Yeah. Uh, action scene, action scene, action scene.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, like you know,
0: memory. Yeah. It scene. starts <laughs>
1: off with John seeing his wife, you know, at, at the hospital again. And, you know, he's sad because she's dead. Uh, he's birthed. Yeah. He's birthed his fourth dog so far. Uh, <laughs> you know, and then, uh. He has this well, like really, really homoerotic bath, you know, with Scott Adkins. It's great, you know. You just gotta you gotta
0: watch it. You gotta watch it. We're gonna move on from. He this. We're a guy. Move on. He shoots many many people. Nope, it's just um, the same
1: guy. The guy's really resistant. <laughs> I mean, they
0: they do, oh you haven't seen John mc three? In know. John Wick three, they they introduced. Um, uh, high table obviously the high table yeah. is like the the ruling the governing organization behind the world of assassins but high table enforcers who wear bulletproof arm like tactical armor and the weak points are like around the neck yeah and so they're like constantly trying to get them around the neck um really interesting stuff but uh there isn't a, a part of eisen's question that you could answer and it's is there a system that you would choose to run sort of modern slash slightly futuristic combat focused storytelling
1: um dungeons and dragons because it's a sandbox toolkit that you can use for everything Good god you really right? did
0: not come prepared
1: no um, i don't need to be prepared this is no that's no problem uh it's, no it's not i not, actually, d- it's actually not don't D&D. i actually don't know jokes aside i don't know i think because I, i've never played a modern TTRPG uh except mm-hmm. for like uh scion second edition which is kind of but not really no, yeah uh and i did not enjoy that experience uh that's a whole can of worms but um i just haven't really played anything modern or slightly futuristic
0: yeah i would if you want john wick um from like a world perspective i would recommend excommunicado uh excommunicado is like an indie game by uh, adam Vassi. um adam Vass and slash world champ game co uh super good it's a indie game really rules light uh, makes use of, like, clocks, a la, like, Blades in the Dark. Really mm-hmm. like that one. Um, if I were to do... The thing with, like, a John Wick game is that if if you want... If Isaac's question is about replicating John Wick, um, is that you need to constantly feel in danger, but the main character really needs to be able to keep pushing forward.
1: Yeah. I would say, despite not knowing really much about systems out there that could do this from a storytelling perspective whatever system you need is one that can keep up the pacing because it, if it you have slow to be down a system that
0: gives you momentum yeah, yeah yeah
1: you have to build momentum and you have to be able to keep it if you get stalled out it kills that momentum and it no longer feels like john wick or or, or any yeah you know it could be extraction great movie by the way uh it yeah, could great be great movie uh i'm excited to see extraction too um but like any of those like kinds of games oh you know it doesn't even have to be like lone wolf uh, badass guy it could be a team of people you know like a party of players um it still needs to keep up that pacing if you have a player stall out because they're taking like five ten minutes to think of their uh uh turn it's gonna kill that vibe and you're not quite having that anymore
0: yeah so i would say the game would need to have high lethality, yeah. but it would also have to give the player the ability to manage resources in a way where they can protect themselves from lethal blows like in John Wick.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: like John Wick has his bulletproof like suits, right um, I would I would go towards something like uh, Coriolis, like uh, year zero because in Coriolis you can kill somebody in like one shot uh, if you're smart. Uh, it is a die pooling system. So your chances of success, especially if you're playing as like a really competent character are extremely high. And the more like B6s you roll, the the higher the chance for like a crit. Um, I would then add in my favorite sort of system from a game called uh, Errant uh, in Errant. Uh, you can parry blows and it's a similar thing that we're doing in wandering blades where you have like a, uh, uh, a limited number of resources that you can use to reduce incoming attack rolls. So you could essentially have really lethal attacks, but only the players would have the ability or limited ability to reduce damage Mm -hmm. or even reduce incoming attacks. Um, I would also go for a system that treats HP not as like your health pool, but as the buffer to you taking serious injury. So when your HP is gone, you are then taking serious injuries that would then have long-lasting effects on you, very much like in the world of John Wick. Um, If you're doing like military shooters, you can even draw on elements from like Delta Green, uh, which has like a system in place for that. But I would just strip out some of the uh, the stress mechanic or. Uh, the mechanic that basically puts you out of action if you see too much awful shit because John Wick is constantly doing awful shit. So he would be resistant to it. I would honestly combine systems. I would take like maybe some of the modern military stuff from Delta Green. I really like the lethality also of like Coriolis, but also the action economy of Coriolis. But then Aaron, it has a parry mechanic or a guard mechanic that would be really useful in having a player or a group of players keep up their momentum. Um, and strike with lethality, but also maybe uh, prevent themselves from also being taken out very fast. Uh, it would still help the game feel dangerous because you would be running out of resources mm-hmm. to protect yourself, which I think is important because that resource can be something very narrative. It can be your sort of like John Wick suit, it could be I'm standing, I'm like sitting behind cover and. You know, there's an enemy technical, and it's just blowing up the cover in front of me, and it's slowly wearing it down. Or even that guard mechanic itself could you narratively represent like being suppressed by enemy fire Mm. and limit your ability to take action. I would. I don't think there's like a one game alone. And I know some people might be like, "Oh, what about Feng Shui?" Um, And I don't. And I think that could be a system that I would use, but. I want something that's hyper lethal, so I would I would sure. lean towards the OSR, or like some European games for that.
1: And like there may be some, uh, you know, indie game out there that we just don't know about or have not read in depth enough to know anything uh, about that may do it. But it seems that yeah, a-, a combination of various things might be the best. But that's also mm-hmm. probably the most annoying solution, you know, is to have to. Yeah, there's another
0: RPG called Covert Ops as well. Oh yeah, but I I think it's uh. I don't think it will run as fast as what you would want. Um, In line with this, actually, we had another question from Comrade in uh, our Discord server. What movies slash video games do you think uh, have had the most intriguing world building, even if the plot was so-so? So we don't have to actually like the movie, but we can like the world building or video game. John Wick. John Wick has a really interesting one, especially as the series progresses. You learn more and more about the world of assassins, yeah. which I think is very cool. Um, um, High School Musical, the scale of which <laughs> <High School laughs> is cool. Um, which one? High School Musical, the musical, of the series, or the original three movies?
1: The original. I'm an OG okay, fan. Cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> the uh, I honestly think from a world building perspective. I was I was actually thinking about this a lot today, like looking at my bookshelf. Um, I think, honestly, I think the world of um, Berserk, uh, the manga Berserk, uh-huh. is very interesting to me. Um, that series is not for everyone; has some very dark themes. Sure, but I think it's got like a uh, an intriguing world so much so that I actually bought the the world guide.
1: Oh, that's um,
0: cool. Yeah, another one is Elden Ring. Another one is Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. I think Elden Ring is a, has a very interesting world, um, because it was, in my first playthrough, it was like very confusing, and I was like, I just want to know more. Like, and you're constantly being fed more information, mm-hmm. uh, but in a very organic and and also like self led way. Um,
1: so I really like that. I'm trying to think of things that I, I remember. There was the Netflix movie Bright, which I thought the movie itself was fine.
0: It's just a movie about racism.
1: Yeah, but I thought that yeah. some of the concepts and some of the, the world-building was really interesting. And my, my biggest gripe with that movie was, similar to a lot of other people's, where the movie was fine. But it would have served better if it was a much longer form, like TV series or something. Or they could yeah. have had the, the, the space to, like, explore some of that. Yeah. Um, what other things? I also see
0: Star Wars. I mean, obviously, like, I love Star Wars, and I really like what they've done um, with sort of the non-movie content, um, mm. especially around, like, Jedi Fallen Order and the discovery of the Zepho and in how in the Darth Vader comics um, and some of the other Marvel comics they are diving into other interpretations of the Force mm-hmm. um, and how in, like, Clone Wars, and this also appears in Fallen Order, like on Dathomir, the Witches of Dathomir. They have literal force magic yeah which i think is very interesting um i was actually talking to someone about this yesterday about like how i think star wars is very fascinating when you dive beyond the movies
1: Hmm. some cool stuff there i feel like i wouldn't be able to uh move past this segment without talking about arcane (laughs) uh of course so for those who don't know of course uh, arcane is my favorite um League of Legends is not my favorite thing in the world. I like well, it. You love I, the show. I love it a lot. You love the show. But Arcane, Arcane is my favorite TV show of all time. Um, and the way that they do so much complicated world building in such a tight and concise amount of time, you know, uh, a lot of it being in ways where I, I think one of the great things about Arcane is that they presume that their inte- that their audience is smart enough you know, to figure certain right. things out or to um, find the, the hidden uh, subtext and things like that in, in what they're uh, showing you, um, which leads to a lot of great uh, moments and surprises and just the way they sort of tease out the world building in a very natural way. You know, they don't have to do these big, long expositions uh, in order to get it out of the way. They do it naturally through... Uh, uh just the show that you know the writers for arcane show you the world they don't tell you about the world they just show yeah, it absolutely. in action uh as opposed to you know having to expose and and tell you that it's interesting they just show you what's interesting about it which is and on uh, top of
0: that the animation is really ah, really beautiful so good yeah
1: i think i might
0: also add oh i just I literally just lost it. Um, fuck. I'll come back to it. I'll come okay. back to it later. But, I mean, we could do, again, like I said, we could do a whole episode on, like, what we think is very intriguing world building. Or just beautiful. Like, it, like intriguing could mean, like, oh, it's complex and thought-provoking. Or, but also, like, oh, I just want to spend more time here. Um, like, Genshin Impact, I, I don't think has, like, a very sure. complex world. But it's a beautiful one. Yeah. And I love playing the game just looking around. Yeah. I have really not progressed the main story just because I like exploring in that game.
1: You know what's another uh a, a studio that's a really great example of showing and not telling uh mm. is Studio Ghibli. Right? Oh They're, yeah, totally. their films are their films are really good at showing you the interesting parts of those worlds, not telling you about them. You know, you just naturally experience it. Not everything has to be explained uh and you kind of get lost in that on wonder of those new places and those fantastical things
0: and you can Um, love the parts of it like you can still love their the media they produce without even diving into the world yeah like you can love it to whatever degree you want which i think is interesting
1: yeah like i feel like similar to arcane and similar to to others it's like The more you invest into it, into that viewing experience, the more you'll get get out of it. it. But even just the most basic bare bones viewing experience of, of, you know, casually having it on uh, is still a great experience. Like you'll still enjoy that. Right. Um, But the more Mm -hmm. you dive in, the better, like the more things you'll find, the more you'll notice and whatnot.
0: Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah, I just uh, I still have fond memories playing League with you. Uh and a like terrible and Yeah, but it's a, a good social experience. Yeah. No, I shouldn't uh, say it's a Asian's terrible game. game. It's it's fun. Uh um I don't know. I haven't I think the only multiplayer game I've been playing a lot of is is honestly Battlefield.
1: What a great game. Well It is now. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah.
0: It is now. Um, but it it still doesn't have the same uh I don't have the same feelings about it that I do for Battlefield 4.
1: Now, now that seven-eighths of the lobby aren't running the advances, it's pretty good.
0: Yeah, everybody's running the uh, RM68 now.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, but we have a couple of other not-so-deep questions, but still very valid. Agatha asked, what's the f- what's what's the best flavor of bubble tea? And to combine with this, I'm going to combine this with the, the, the last question from Temporal Insanity, was um, what's your take on boba toppings like milk foam, popping boba? fresh taro um what's your take on boba toppings like milk foam oh right i double I paste that twice into my notes yeah so like i guess what's your favorite flavor and then what are your takes on toppings i know we say bubble tea uh do you say boba or bubble tea
1: i will usually they say like, boba is
0: very much like a west coast thing and bubble tea is like an east coast well thing.
1: being You're from kind of missouri <laughs> i think people just say whatever here i've noticed both all over the he place both um, I'll usually say, I usually say bubble tea personally. Okay. Yeah. Um, but my, my personal favorite, my, my go to is, uh, uh, roasted oolong tea, uh, half ice, okay. 30% sugar, and then, uh, no, no bubbles, no, no tapioca, but instead, uh, grass jelly. That's mm. a great, okay. it's a great combo. I feel like an old I, man when I drink yeah. it, but it's so good so being lactose
0: intolerant, it really depends on if I'm going to be with other people for an extended period of time (laughs) or if I'm going to be like coming home on my, like, you know, just coming home. Um, And yes, Sarah and I live together, but you know, she's it. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I really like brown sugar, like brown sugar, milk tea, really like that flavor. Um, so much so that I have like popsicles of it and everything like that. Um, I like having tapioca, but if I go for like a, like more of like a tea, um, like a green tea or something like that, sure. I really like a fruity flavor. Um, I like grass jelly, but there was this one place in Toronto that made their tapioca balls in-house. Oh, that's good. And they had a machine that that made them fresh. Yeah, we have a couple around here that do that. And those are awesome. Yeah. Um, I don't drink a lot of bubble tea. I think I have it maybe once a month. I know mm-hmm. you have it a lot. I
1: more. have it like three times a week at least.
0: Yeah, I I don't have it all that often. To be fair,
1: I'm also not lactose intolerant.
0: You can develop lactose intolerance. Just a. To- this like, is a heads up. Okay. This is a heads up. Keep that a you know, in a couple of years we do an episode and it's just like Daniel and Drew discuss lactose intolerance.
1: And then we yeah, refer back to this episode yeah, when you're like, ah, ha ha ha. I don't. <laughs> like um, yeah, yeah, I like, uh, I really like coconut. I really like tarot, you know, uh, flavors. Mm. Um, I'm really not much of a green tea person. I uh, like honeydew. I don't, th- I've had honeydew. I've never bought my own. I've like tried sips of other people's. Um, mm. And that was pretty good. Um, I'm not. I would say a major Honeydew uh, fan, but um, what are some others? I had a. This was just. Do you like, this was just do you like the smoothies? And, and I've like never slush? tried them. I've never tried them. I'm. I don't. Not into it. I get brain freeze really easy for whatever reason, and mm-hmm. I have some. Like some of my teeth are kind of sensitive, and so like I don't. I like cold drinks. I don't. But I. Uh, Ice cold drinks like that, like slushies. I sometimes I struggle with.
0: Would you say that it's better to buy a nice bubble tea than a set of Chessex dice because they're basically the same? What's what's the better value? Um, to circle back,
1: milk milk tea like bubble tea <laughs> because you'll buy, you'll buy a drink because it sustains you spiritually, physically, emotionally. Your dice, they do nothing for you.
0: They, they can fail you.
1: They can fail you. Milk tea doesn't fail you, unless you're unless you unless develop lactose, lactose intolerance
0: in that exact moment. Like it's why Although I can't have. Technically,
1: a, is that you failing bubble uh, tea? Oh, I'll put it back on you, Daniel. That's a
0: good question. I feel like it's my body failing my spirit <laughs> okay yeah and bubble tea yeah
1: indomitable um, spirit but not in indo- yeah. but very indomitable body you know, we
0: could also say that like maybe bubble tea is attacking me
1: sure um, and sure. I,
0: attacking me when i'm weak yeah, yeah and in this case i'm always weak yeah um, every
1: time you drink it's like you were on D,
0: yeah you were in D. you don't track hp yeah. um
1: ugh. <laughs> uh what do you um, how do you feel about uh the milk foam you lactose intolerant i've never poison? had it it's bad I've never In had my it. opinion it's i've wrong. never had it
0: i really like um uh, coconut jelly coconut jelly is really good i really like coconut jelly um i love um, pudding i haven't had milk foam
1: i love pudding i've had pudding on it it's great love pudding
0: i haven't had that i've i've had like different like you know they do like a brown sugar pearls and like sure like caramel or whatever i've had those, but i've never had yeah, those, those foam pretty, those the mostly foam, because of lactose intolerance the
1: foam is just this weird creamy slightly bitter thing because it's it's cheese but it's not quite it's i don't i don't know man i don't it's not for me it's not for me i maybe it tastes really good in a very specific combination you know in the same way that i would not put uh herbal jelly or whatever in all drinks i put it in very specific drinks um
0: my dad (laughs) I just remembered something. My dad tried making uh, grass jelly. Yeah. And I was I was over at my parents' place, and he was like, hey, "Help me with this." And we were trying to make it, and it just looked like tar. And then he we put it into a container to let it like kind of you know solidify a bit. And I came back the following week. I was like, "How did it turn out?" And my dad was like, "I poured it out, and it was a brick." It was like he just made this like <laughs> okay. brick, like the food okay. that they ate on like Snowpiercer. It looked like that. Apparently, that's fun. Um, haven't made it at home what are your thoughts on like canned bubble tea i I know i've had it on stream a couple of times i
1: i I like it it's fine yeah
0: like in a pinch like there are there are no bubble tea places that are near me
1: yeah i you know
0: really have to go out of my way to get it
1: it's it for me it is like saying oh do you prefer soda from a fat like a soda fountain like at a at a restaurant like a you know or do you prefer a can of soda i i would oh, I, I, mean, I would prefer to just have soda i don't care like 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 yes oh i
0: mean but here's the thing though if we're we're if we're being like old asian dads if i get the soda i don't get free refills but if i get it from a fountain i get free refills oh
1: yeah okay 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 but with milk tea if i buy those tall those tall can ones I don't remember the brand. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but if I get the tall can ones, they don't have ice in them. And I'm pretty sure they have more than your typical like milk tea in them. True. So, so, then so you per would... capita, I'm just saying. And the canned ones are typically cheaper, too. Yeah, they are cheaper. They usually, at least around here... They're still expensive for a can drink. They're like three to four bucks, but they're mm. cheaper than getting the milk tea, like like from the from the, a milk tea place, right? So I
0: think the overall theme of this episode is it's okay to be irresponsible with your money to a certain degree. You can buy the Chessex dice if you want. You can get the bubble tea if you want. You could save up for really beautiful handmade dice. My God, I'm still kind of... I've never actually seen the website when it was live. I've always missed all the drops. Yeah. Um, this is my first time seeing them. Super cool. Um Or you can wait and save up for that brass dragon that you want. That's the one you need, right? Yeah, I
1: don't think it's released yet. I don't remember, but
0: okay. I don't know. I, I, I don't also I also have a hard time with, with minis. I have so many that I, I have not painted
1: yet. Hundreds and hundreds of minis. And you, you you need to make like a
0: get like a display case or something.
1: You know, I think the cruelest trick God ever played on mankind uh, is making miniatures so easy to buy but so difficult to paint. Because my brain That's, goes, why? There, I mean, there are contrast paints now. Yeah, but like my brain is like, why would I spend hours painting this mini when I could just go get another mini?
0: Yeah, or or what are your thoughts on? God, I'm chasing the dragon. I'm chasing you, the dragon really chase the dragon, <laughs> or like what about like uh pre-painted stuff
1: yeah those are fine
0: yeah or do you like having the option of potential I mean even with uh it just thing, depends you can on what eventually it paint it yourself yeah you know like the big things I mean there was that there there are some nice ones I uh I don't know uh, 3d printing is really changing the scene like I was just on that hero 4 stream and I I made the flame emperor the main boss for, yeah. for our home game and I uh, you know I'm a very slow painter. Yes. Um, yeah, um, yeah. But I managed to paint quite a bit of it uh, in in that I'm, time. I'm very proud of you. I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> but I had like planned a week ahead, and I was like, okay, I'm going to use these paints, and this is sure. how it's going to look. Um, but yeah, i I think when it comes to minis, I don't know if I would go out of my way to buy if I'm going to buy a mini and if, if I'm going to paint it, I'm going to buy a really nice one. Sure. Like, I don't know if I would buy, I mean, this goes back to the whole thing about like Chessex dice, right? Uh, the same, same thing with minis. You get the, um, Reaper minis. Really awesome. First of all, I have tons of Reaper minis. Um, like the sculpts are, are pretty good, but you can get like a ton. You can get a lot.
1: Sure. they're, they're Reaper minis You can get a shit ton For the price of, of like them. one, yeah.
0: one GW mini. Yeah. Right. Um, but I also love looking at 3D printed minis. Yeah. And my God. You can.
1: Oh, like the Etsy shops and things like that. that like you can, the Etsy
0: shops, or like everybody has their own
1: Patreons where they design them. Yeah. And it just looks really cool. But like a fundamental difference between miniatures and dice is that, you know, a dice's value, like uh, the, the purpose of dice, which is to roll them, does not change between dice. So the value of them. Is you know is found in like rarity right you know or how nice they are but with miniatures there's still the quality of the paint there's quality of the paint but the, the one of the values in miniatures is that you use them for so many different things like yes the most basic thing of like they get placed on a table to be played with it remains the same but like it is perfectly valid to be like I need to field a hundred skeletons for this battle I mm. can buy a hundred cheap reaper minis uh for you know that's fair like that still has value you know as opposed to like i'm gonna pay a thousand dollars to get a hundred gw skeleton warriors you know that's insane and then commission them all yeah that's insane right but there's a a staunch difference in that you know yeah the role of the dice and what it's doing for you is so simplistic that uh that nothing really changes you know, so As I, I think look at
0: this D20 like it's the one ring. I'm just like, <laughs> <"It's> so beautiful,
1: <laughs> uh, you know, but just like I, I find great value in having all 10 um, of the the metallic and the chromatic dragons, because that way I can at any time throughout the next rest of my life, just plop them down and be like, that's exactly what you're fighting. And that's really cool to me.
0: Yeah, and then they could sit on your shelf. I guess Dice can also sit on your shelf. I don't know. It's a Moral of the story is, spend your money however you want. Spend your money however you want. Preferably um, how I tell you to do it. Yeah, Preferably how Drew tells you. Uh, One Asian dad is like, live your life, and the other Asian dad is like, no. Live my life. (laughs) Live my life. My expectations. (laughs) Um, My God, that got real. That got real for a second there. So
1: it, it is a weird contradiction because... Uh, I go to Miniature Market uh, here in St. Louis. Shout out to you guys. You guys are awesome. Um, Sponsor us. Sponsor us, please. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I go there quite often, like usually at least once a week with with my friends. Uh, And uh, I am both the person who tells them not to buy dice, but then I tell them to buy everything else because I have a decent sense of their financials. And they go, oh, but like I don't have the money, and I'm like, mm, you do. You just have guilt about your money, you know. You deserve this. You've worked hard for this. I do the same thing for you, Daniel. Where I'm yeah, like, you spend <laughs> your money. You you have and plenty. Like, you're you're not. i was just like, no. Your wallet will be fine with a sixty dollar purchase. You'll be okay. I look,
0: but I can wishlist this on Steam and then wait for it to go on sale. I guess. Yeah that that is a hundred percent me you that is a very accurate read on me um and i think that is a it is a character i wouldn't i, I think it is a character flaw also like you know it prevents me from really enjoying things too right yeah. like uh, you get that like decision paralysis when it comes to getting things um i think so yeah i i get it I
1: th- it's fair i think that uh frugality and wisdom in spending is uh a a character strength when it develops past that into guilt over choices that's not good yeah that's fair you know
0: that said if you are going to spend your money always consider supporting your local game shop uh indie creators like you know dice makers um not not everyone makes like there are like boutique dice that are like goals Um, And then there are folks who make very affordable handmade dice, too. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's also interesting. uh, I want to try making my own dice, but I don't have the ability to get proper ventilation here because of the way our our loft is set up. Um, It's also the reason why I don't have an airbrush, which I feel like would really help me paint all my minis faster.
1: Yeah, someday I'll get into airbrushing. I I want to get much Um, better at uh, hand painting first.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's just like repetition and having like a paint station set up. Um for me, my I'm very happy that like my current gaming not really an obs- my my current gaming ADHD hyperfixation, we should say, is uh is flesh and blood. Yeah. Uh very much enjoying it. Um but I do enjoy that I can I spent $15 on my deck and I am very happy with it. Yeah. Um I need and to look I into don't it. feel it's very cool. I I again I don't know how to I don't know what it's like to play it remotely because it is I mean I know there is an online tool for it but there is no spell table for Flesh and Blood. Okay. But I mean the game is called Flesh and Blood because they wanted to make a game that people would play in person. Sure. Uh it's very much a game that's designed to support like, you know, the LGS. Yeah. Um but I I really like it. Uh it's not for everyone. Uh our mutual friend Oliver and I play it and we have this, like we have an agreement and it's like, we do a quarterly analysis of how much we're enjoying the game.
1: Uh And we're like,
0: are we still enjoying it? Okay. $20. We could spend another $20 to upgrade our favorite deck. Okay, Um, So we have like a fair sort of arms race and assessment of where we are in the hobby. Sure. um, Which is Oliver is obviously a lawyer and, and you know, me being frugal. So it's like, ah, it works out perfectly. Um, but I enjoy the game. I, I think the world is interesting. I like that there are Asian characters. Uh, I like that they aren't rolling out a new set every two months. Mm, yeah. Um, and that they're really one of the the community is very very nice because they know that the game needs to grow, and so members of the community are very welcoming to people who are getting into it. Sure. Uh, like my 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 LGS is like a very there are two game stores within equal like that are equidistant from my home and uh one of them is like a magic shop and they're very pretentious um and i only go there occasionally because it's a destination i can walk to and they do sell vintage rpgs that's cool.
1: Um,
0: yeah. and they sell like uh basically miniatures by the sprue as well uh like used stuff oh, so i sometimes yeah. like to go yeah, there um but their magic stuff is always overpriced. Their, uh, yeah, everything there is usually very overpriced. And I went with Emma and Kendra one time, and they were very, very rude to them. So I'm like, ugh.
1: Yeah, when I um, uh, miniature market doesn't do like uh, magic resales, like like you know of indiv- mm. individuals and stuff like that. They just sell you know packs and, and boxes and stuff. Um, right, but they're always really nice about it all, and their prices because they're also distributor, you know, with the with the warehouses and whatnot. Um, yeah, you know, everything's either standard MSRP or uh, you know they get they they mark it down. It depends on the the popularity. Uh, yeah, like
0: I think with the other store that's near me, they're very much a flesh and blood store. Oh sure, and it's in it's in an old apothecary. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah. And so the the owner. His wife owned the apothecary, and then she closed it down, and he took over, and it's kind of kept the interior. Uh, it's a small space, but it still has the apothecary sign uh, outside, and you kind of have to know that it's a, it's a game store. Um, but they have a really good, a huge, probably the biggest flesh and blood community in the city, yeah. in the GTA, Greater Toronto Area, sorry. In, um, in the Grand Theft Auto. I like, I was, yeah, in the Grand Theft Auto. Um, and I went in, and I asked about flesh and blood, because I was like, ah, oh, it's curious, I keep you know i keep seeing the sign outside they have this like banner in their window and um and he was like oh yeah you never played it? i was like yeah i'm kind of curious and the owner explained it to me and he was like here and he handed me like two what is essentially the uh they call it commoner but it's like popper uh he handed me two decks he said, he'd give it a try that's cool and like every time i've gone in he's given me a deck and i'm like i don't need any am I'm, I'm buying my own stuff now <laughs> um but they have uh events um called armory events okay uh and it's essentially like uh there are two formats one is called blitz and one is called constructed um and blitz is 40 card deck okay and your sideboard is actually your equipment so the co- cool thing about flesh and blood is that it's very hero oriented so you have a hero you have a deck of like actions and stuff like and spells and stuff sure. and then you have equipment and when you lay out your 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 play mat or whatever you have your hero, and you literally put their weapons next to the hero card, mm-hmm. and then you put your equipment in, like, head, chest. Oh, that's arms, fun. Like, and an it's like an RPG. Like an RPG. And then you have a deck here. And what's cool is that in this game, like, every, there are no bad hands. Because every card can be pitched for resources. There is no mana. So, okay. like, if I have a card that has zero cost, I can play that card. If it has one cost, I have to pitch a card. Every card has, like, Pitch value, so the amount that you could basically sacrifice it for to give yourself a resource. Okay, it has like a cost and then it might have a defense value, so you could actually have a spell that you could just I'm going to block.
1: Oh, I see. And you basically,
0: so you technically have no bad hands because you can have a hand that you can attack with or block with. Uh Um, and they have these armory events where they are blitz or classic constructed. Constructed is like hero with equipment as a sideboard and then a 60 card deck yeah. and then blitz is hero with, you know, 40 card deck. But what's really neat is that there are two versions of every hero. There is a young version with different art and an, and an adult version. Oh, uh, the only differences are that the young versions have less health. And so everybody starts at a different HP, mm-hmm. which is really neat. Um, so like some characters start with, there's a new hero that they, uh, Announced that's coming out, uh, and it's like another version of an existing one. Okay. And she has 16 HP. Um, and the one that I play with has 20 HP. Uh, but what's cool is that everybody's talking about how this new card for Prism, the hero, has 16 HP as a way of pre balancing her because she is already extremely powerful as a spin-caster. Oh, I see. Yeah. So she's like a glass cannon. Um, and they do this thing in like organized play where they track how many wins a hero has gotten. And if they hit a certain threshold, they put them in living legend status and they retire them from competitive play. Interesting. Because they're like too powerful. Yeah,
1: they're getting too many wins.
0: They're getting too many wins. Um, and then they'll eventually put out new versions. And um, So it's really cool how like the community kind of tracks that. But at these Armory events, my local store does it in the Blitz format. It's free to attend. And the company behind Flesh and Blood we are not sponsored by any way. Like, this is just my hyperbole. Well, oh, we could be, by the way, for our audience. We could be. No? <laughs> um, they basically ship participating LGSs with Birch every month. Okay. So if you attend, you get a free promo card and then you can play and at the end of the month. And this is what the store owner told me. They have like special play mats and stuff like that that they can give out to participants. And it's not based on your winning record. It's based on your conduct at the store.
1: Oh, that's, that's nice. Which I think is really cool. It's very it's like, friendly. Oh, you know what? Yeah.
0: So, because I was going as like, a lot of people talk about the game being like, oh, there's a huge barrier to entry because some of the best gear is really expensive. Some of the best cards are really sure. expensive. But isn't that true um, of any
1: CCG? Right? It is.
0: Um, like, honestly, like most of your spells are going to cost you 15 to 25 cents. Yeah. Um, but your equipment can basically, the best or the most essential pieces of gear can cost like $150 yeah. for one card. But you see that in other TCGs. Um, But at the store, he was like, you don't really need to have like you can go in with a pre-con and still have fun. And it's not like a tournament or anything. It's just like, hey, we're going to gather. We're going to play. This is the format. Have fun. At the end of the month, we kind of do like a big thing. And I'm going to try to do it. Yeah. Uh, I'm very curious about it. Um, But yeah, that's my current hyperfixation, And I don't know how we got to talking about Uh,
1: us. We were talking about Boba. And then somehow, do cat- I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That, uh, that, that's no dice, no problem but I don't for no you. Problem. No, I would um, say, I, I, I would actually really like to get into Flesh and Blood. It's just that, like, I don't think, I can order it on their online store from, from Miniature Market. I Obviously, I mean, it's the internet, I can order anything. But, like, I don't think they're in store. I don't think the retail has it yeah. in stock. I'll have to go check again or, or ask. Uh, but I didn't notice it last time I was there. Um, it's very interesting. There are a lot of videos on how to
0: play. Uh, games are like 25 to 30 minutes. That's like I went to a friend's yeah. house like two weeks ago, and we played like four games. And we just like tried out all these different characters.
1: Yeah, my... Um, uh, it was really cool. My friend and I played uh, Battletech Alpha Strike the other day, uh, mm. which is uh, really fun, first of all. Um and it was nice because we played a whole game in like an hour hour and a half It's the tabletop war game with a little uh mech warriors and um yeah as opposed to the regular battle tech game which is very very simulationist very uh uh complicated uh which you know took us like six hours to play one game yeah <laughs> so much faster it was really nice I still
0: have to try that. I still have to try oh, it's that. It's really cool. Um, and, it's,
1: and it's cheap to get into pretty much.
0: Yeah. The minis look neat too. Yeah, they're really um, cool. But yeah, it's just a matter of like, how much am I going to go out to actually do this? Um, I also like, I like deck building, uh, which I, which is like a part of the. Fun sure. For me. Sure. Yeah. There's none um, of that
1: with. Uh, yeah. The... And I
0: feel good playing flesh of blood because a, it's cheap and B it's not magic right now. Yeah. Cause also like that is like a huge mess. Like, like, first of all, like, fuck Watsy, Like, who does that? Yeah. Like, who does that? Who sends mercenaries to go get playing cards? Like, who does that? Like, this happened in Games Workshop, and they accidentally leaked, uh, sent the wrong mini to somebody. They they painted it and leaked it, and GW was like, oh, well, I guess it's out now. Good job. The yeah. paint job's great. It just happens. Like, it just happens. Like, oh, my God, what a, what a fucking mess. And I, I understand that it's so hard for people to be fans of D&D and fans of magic because eight mutual friend of ours, there are people who are professional DMs and that is their main source of income. Yeah. Like that's how they put food on their table and that's how they put a roof over their head. And so how are you to say, well, you can't play it at all. Like I, I don't feel morally correct going and being like, no, you can't play this game at all. Because this company is bad, like how am I supposed to tell somebody that? Yeah, right?
1: because I, you know, unfortunately for many, shifting out of Watsy, you know, in terms of content creation, uh, would tank their ability to make money, and that's just an yeah. unfortunate byproduct of Watsy taking up, you know, ninety plus percent of the the space and we're not talking about influencers either. We're not talking no. about influencers.
0: We're talking about people who are like pro DMs. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about people who you know their core audience is looking for their published works that's like based just on D&D. Yeah. Um though I guess with the you know black flag and all of that stuff, it might be easier to pivot there. But my my heart does go out to like pro DMs who who do feel this pressure, but also may not See. be able to get the audience or the clientele if they pivot to another
1: I'm room. I'm worried about the whole black flag thing with uh that's co- uh, Cobalt press right Yes Yeah um I'm worried about that because I feel like people were hyped to jump onto the black flag uh wagon yeah. but once they once watsi put it on creative, creative Commons, comments I think everyone yeah. went all right well we're back to business as usual and it's like uh oh, okay you know For better for worse, you know. know, uh, And I feel for people who who are in
0: this, you know, like uh, who enjoy like playing Magic the Gathering. Yeah. Right. Like, or or like if you're a game store owner, like there are so many stores that like they are just kept afloat by the secondary market for Magic. Sure. Um. And like as like a fan, like I love playing the game. I love playing the game. Yeah. Um. Play it weekly, right? Just built a new deck that I'm very excited to test out. Um, but I feel, I don't feel conflicted about my feelings of Watsi because fuck Watsi. Like that, sure, like yeah. what they have done is objectively bad. I know there are complex feelings about like the summit. Um, but the summit was a PR event. Summit was a PR event. In my opinion, it was like very clearly a PR event. And we talked about it on the podcast yeah. too. Um, and how there are, of course, understandable reasons why people might go into it thinking it wasn't a PR event. Um, but from my perspective, I went into it knowing it was a PR event, but it was a PR event that I could ask questions at and I can ask questions unrelated to what they were talking about. Um, but with this OGL thing, um, with the Pinkertons, like two objectively really bad things. And the Pinkertons is just like, that is a line. Yeah. Like I understand the OGL being like, oh, that's a business decision that like a C-suite executive kind of wanted. But the Pinkertons, that's just evil.
1: Yeah, it's not like, um, it's not like it was, you know, some amount of like criminal behavior that led to a leak, you know, or a breaking of a contract or, you know, like. Dude got sent the wrong thing. Yeah, like a, a, an innocent person just ordered a product online and, and got sent the wrong thing and then, you know, has, uh,. Weirdos show up, show up at his doorstep, scaring him and uh, his wife. I believe
0: his wife, yeah, yeah.
1: And it's just wild to me that that's the steps that a company would take um, when they could have just spun it as uh, a way to get more publicity for a thing. Yeah, and I know that there are people who good publicity. I mean, they got they got yeah, publicity yeah. no matter what, but. <laughs> Uh yeah,
0: and there are gonna be people who don't care at all and they're like, cool, now I know what cards are gonna be in this aftermath set, fifty cards that are gonna be in this set. Yeah. Then there are gonna be people who are like, yo, this is bad. Like there are always gonna be people who who are on like who have different degrees of how much they care. Um but like as people who like operate in this space and as people who like engage with these products, like this is like a a line that Wizards has crossed that is really there is no way there's no way you could say that it's a right thing for them to have done. Yeah. It is bad. Um, and I have very complex feelings because it's like magic is something that I enjoy playing yeah. because of the social thing. Like it is the game that got me out of my home. Like, cause I was afraid to leave my home because you know, COVID and all that. Right. Um, is like the first thing that I did like in person playing magic with people. Yeah. I, and you know, like, me walking to the local shop uh was a way for me to kind of be outdoors uh, and not feel like scared um and so i have really complex feelings about it because i also care about like my local shops uh which is why i'm also glad that like a shop close to me is like a flesh and blood store so i can go and offer my patronage uh to them through another game uh with a company that seems to be much better yeah uh but i think it's just really hard to be like an ethical consumer um and
1: yeah it's always difficult trying to to navigate
0: that especially as people who like are on a podcast and talk about this stuff um and so i guess consider this our statement because we haven't made a statement and i know people have asked like oh what do you think about i think it's awful i think what they did is bad um i don't feel like i need to tweet all the time i don't need i don't feel like i need to put my opinion out into the world 240 characters at a time. Yeah. Um, but what they did was bad. What they did was objectively awful. Um, and I don't know how they come back from this.
1: Eh, I know. mean, okay, I do know well, how they come back
0: from this. They just keep doing what, what they're doing. Yeah. They just keep doing what they're doing because they're so big that they really can't fail that way because the general consumer really isn't going to do anything. They're still going to buy magic. Um, they're still going to play D&D. And there are some people who have to still play D&D. We've talked about that, and I empathize with that. And there are still stores who aren't just going to drop Magic. They can't afford to. They can't afford to. And I get that. And that's why Wizards can just keep on going. Because they know that other people need their products.
1: It's the same way with a lot of GW stuff, right? You know? Yeah. A lot of stores rely on those uh, products because they sell so well. And, uh... What can you do? You know? Yeah. It,
0: it's, it's really tough. And I think, you know, when we are not like you and know, I, when we as like human beings sure. are online interacting with other people, like there is a lot of nuance to how people feel about games. Uh, and I think it's really important yep. that we do that.
1: When all, all of the uh, Activision Blizzard stuff was happening, which, we were both really
0: excited about Diablo. Yeah,
1: really excited about Diablo 4, really excited about Overwatch 2 and, and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, and that made it very difficult to try to navigate. Like, how do I how do I enjoy what was my favorite video game company of all time? How do I enjoy their franchises and IPs that are all ranked within my top 10? You know? Um, yeah. You know that have formed a, a major part of my life as I as a gamer, you know, yeah. You know and stuff. Uh, how do I suddenly navigate boycotting that, like, and just getting rid of these things that I have been looking forward to and have enjoyed so often? And like, you know, that always feels conceited when paired up against the the very negative experiences that people uh, and harmful experiences that people have suffered. Uh, at the hands of these, uh, corporations, um, that I, I whine about like, ah, but I don't get to play my game, you know? Um, uh, yeah. but, uh, you know, it's, even if it's not, uh, nearly as in depth as uh, many others, it still impacts me in a way that, uh, I have to feel deeply, you know, cause I have so many core memories formed around these, uh, things, you know, yeah, it's the
0: same thing with like D and D beyond, yeah. you know, um, D&D Beyond is the tool that we use to run our autism program. Yeah. Uh, and like, I, I understand and I respect people's calls to like cancel their subscriptions. But I use this tool to help people. Yeah. um, And I know that, you know, there are folks who have games that they run with people that keep them together with people um, that tie them to their families that they use for like educational purposes, it's hard to do that. And um, not everybody can kind of just like drop things, I guess, which is the point we're saying. Um, obviously, with like Asians Represent content, you'll notice that we we aren't making DD content. We're talking about it, um, but in the way we've always talked about it. We are critical of the content that they make, and we are always trying to provide tools and content for people who want to try to do better. Sure, and That's like always what we've done. Um, I think, but
1: yeah, I think perhaps a a nice way to say it is we should do less of judging what people consume and more judging on what people produce. Does that make sense? So like if you were consuming a product, you know, whether it's D and D or, or magic or whatever, like Mm -hmm. live your best life, you know, do whatever you got to do. Yeah, do no harm to others. But you know, if you are able to pivot, if you are producing something, if you're putting something into the the jet stream of the economy, uh, you know, of, of not not necessarily financially, but like the, the the cultural aspect, if you are putting out content based on this stuff, and you could pivot, but you choose not to, uh, you know, are are you kind of contributing to some of the issues?
0: fair yeah totally and i think
1: i guess we saw
0: we see we saw there is a lot of discourse on twitter about like influencers in this and the idea of like pivoting or the idea of like i'm gonna stay because i know i can make a difference yeah like and i feel like very much caught up in that right um having worked for watsi i've been paid by watsi on several occasions not to like Pump up their products. Yeah. I've never been paid as an influencer. But I've been pay- paid to do things like write. Sure, uh, I've been paid to D and D celebration where we talked about Asian world building. Like i been paid to do that sort of stuff. Um, but as an influencer, I've never, never been paid by Watsi to do anything like that. And if they offered to pay me to like talk about something, I probably wouldn't, yeah. um, because I don't think that that aligns with my values. Um, but it's also not my main source of income. So and I and I get people who, who need that money. Yeah. Um yeah, it's 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 rough. It's rough. It's a really messy situation for creators to be in. Uh um, yeah, and I
1: guess my my point is just more of like And the privacy of your own home, chase your bliss. Yeah. You know, like as individual consumers, yeah. Like, you know, your roll your roll your Chessex dice. Roll your chess dice. Roll your handmade yeah. handmade
0: dice. Crack play whatever open games the you PHB, want.
1: Do whatever. You know, like uh, li- live live your life as best as you can, you know, and then do what you can to not contribute to uh to the problem.
0: Yeah, or you, or, know? you know, bring harm to others, right? Yeah. Um I think that's a good place to end. I think a good, that's a good place to end this episode. Um, I did have a thought. Yeah, what's up? As, a, as like a, as a final thought for the episode. I know we were talking about segments. I wonder if we do a segment that's just our monthly hyperfixation. I wonder. I don't know. That's my initial idea. We don't. You don't. I don't need an answer now, but we will turn to our community. I'll
1: have to think of that. Life. Said. God, there's got to be some sort of like.
0: Cool. we I can, I can make an overlay for it and we can have like, it, we can really go all out with
1: this. Yeah, there's um, got to be some amount of like a funny intro song to it.
0: Yeah, we, we do also have to go and do like the branding and, and everything. We need to get proper No Dice, No Problem branding and everything like that. Mm. Um, but that said, if you folks really enjoy No Dice, No Problem um, and you enjoy Asians Represent, I know this is something we don't, Talk about a lot, and it's mostly because I don't like like self promoting. Uh, but Drew, you have told me that we need to talk about this more. Give
1: us the money.
0: You could say it that way. We do have a Patreon um, where we post uh, extended clip from No Dice, No Problem. We even have a No Dice, No Problem theme song that is only on the Patreon. It's um, uh, that was incredible. It's very good. It's so good. <laughs> it's very good. It's very good. It was. Uh, composed arranged produced performed by drew
1: yeah it's really good um, it's definitely i really love it it's definitely not a hyper at two in the morning that i did for an hour
0: yeah and so i think it's awesome and i know people love it uh, <laughs> but if you really like no days no problem or you really like asians represent and you want to you know contribute to the show if you want to ask questions if you want to just be part of our community and learn with us um you can support us on patreon at patreon.com slash azns represent and if you are a patron for no matter how long thank you so much for your support we really appreciate yeah. you we are going to be adding more to the patreon we are actually uh drew this is this is going to be brand new news to you but oh. we are going to add a new tier to the patreon oh yeah um, I was talking to Emma about it yesterday during our long drive to Hamilton, and we came up with the idea of adding a cultural consultation tier to Patreon. Um, oh, yeah. But okay. this isn't going to be right away. We, we still have to talk about how much it's going to cost, but the pitch is that you basically can get a uh, like an hour of cultural consultation a month. Um, and we're going to work with you know within our team and find other cultural consultants and basically yeah that's not can, a one person job it's not a one person job well and besides most cultural consultants
1: shouldn't be you know because yes uh, representation uh, uh, and one we're going to be
0: all. we're going to be very transparent about like what can be covered sure um and if we match you if you need a cultural consultant who's like outside of the core agents represent team the money from that sort of months sort of like year your subscription basically 100 will go to that yeah. cultural consultant and so that's why we have to talk about how much it will cost and which cultural consultants we're going to who agree to work with us and that sort of thing because everybody's rates are different yeah. too um you know but so, it's something we're looking at maybe this summer
1: so you know at the end of the day to sum it all up if you support uh, our youtube support our patreon things like that you not only support what we do right now in terms of our mission, both for Asians Represent and No Dice, No Problem, and anything else we create, you support our ability to expand and do more with the platform that we have. So, um, mm-hmm. give us money. Do it. <laughs> give a,
0: yeah. Do do as Drew says. Um, instead of for the cost of a set of Chessex dice a month, you can support Asians Represent. Yeah. There you go. It's, Value. It's the, D- Value. It's,
1: it's the TTRPG version <laughs> of if you just want to buy that $5 Starbucks coffee. <laughs> God.
0: There, there's the end. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we'll see you folks next month on No Dice No Problem. Who knows what we're going to talk about? We never do. Uh, but if you want to be involved in the conversation, what Drew and I talk about, you got to be a patron because patrons really steer this show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that said, we'll see you next month. Goodbye, Bye, everyone.
1: Do you love Star Wars, but kind of wish you didn't? Then join us on the Expounded Universe podcast as we read through all the
0: old Star Wars novels that took the galaxy far, far away that you know and love and turned it
1: into a place where Han Solo can punch a giant otter and Luke Skywalker almost gets eaten by a giant gold-plated pillar of dinty Moore beef stew. Did you like Princess Leia? Well, too bad! Now she's a space racist! Don't believe me? You'll just have to listen to find out
0: on Expounded Universe.